0: Basically, the amount of work that you put into something is going to come out in the result. You don't get a healthy relationship with food by, you know, having a pizza one time. You actually have to work at that and work out what your mind is thinking. And same with a skill, like you're not going to get a kit by doing one kit.
1: Welcome to the Tenno podcast by Train Like a Gymnast a podcast for formerly competitive gymnasts, dancers, and cheerleaders to come together as a community to realize their potential. Together, we go farther. My name is Danielle Gray, and I'm the founder of Train Like a Gymnast, here to help you become the best version of yourself physically, mentally, and emotionally. On Tenno, I sit down with Olympians, Cirque du Soleil artists, former elites and collegiate athletes, stunt performers, and fitness professionals to show you that you're not alone. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Today, we have Jessica St. John. She's actually on our TLAG team. So if you are not familiar with what that is, it's a bunch of girls who are former cheerleaders, gymnasts, dancers who want to have that community again. And she applied a couple weeks ago, I think, actually, and we, and we brought you on. And how's it been so far? honestly it's such a
0: great community to be in I'm really loving it so it's good to see what it's about and be a part of
1: yeah oh my god I'm so happy that you're a part of it I'm so happy to like just look at this group of girls and it's really a dream come true because I don't know about you but when I was a gymnast I wasn't the closest friends with my teammates I had maybe one or two teammates who who were nice to me and we were friends (laughs) and then the others were kind of like they don't understand me they don't get me they're not the nicest girls, especially preteen girls. Yeah. So yeah, when you're, when you're in a group of adult gymnasts who all have shared experiences, but they're all supportive and encouraging of each other, it's just yeah,
0: it's such a good community.
1: Yeah. So with that, if people, you know, don't know who you are, tell us your background in gymnastics in fitness movement, all that.
0: All right, well, first, I just want to say thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be on your podcast. So I started in gymnastics when I was about six years old. And that's where I got my start in all things gymnastics. I did a couple of years of rec gymnastics and ended up doing two years of competitive. I think I was 11 the first year and then I ended up making the switch to cheerleading after that. I went on to compete at Worlds eight times, and I've been
1: on Team Canada for
0: four years as well. So my start in gymnastics got me into that, and I'm really thankful for it.
1: Yeah, so are you still on Team Canada's cheer, or that was for four years?
0: It was four years a while ago, and I did take a break of time off, which actually kind of might work into our conversation today why but i did get back into it this year unfortunately i broke my thumb and then because of covid worlds didn't end up happening anyway so oh next year i'll be back at it yeah
1: hopefully yeah i mean it's bad timing but also good timing because it's like well it wasn't gonna happen anyway so (laughs) (laughs) oh man so like you said there might have been certain reasons for that so you had a nickname among your teammates what was that and what did it mean
0: so that was from my first year in competitive gymnastics, and my coach liked to call me basket case because I was just so mental about anything. For example, one time, my first competition ever, I'm getting up to do bars, I think it was my first event, and in my warm-up, I could not do a single skill. I couldn't do a kip, I couldn't do a back hip circle, like I couldn't jump to the high bar. I messed everything up. It was my turn to compete. I did my routine perfectly, didn't mess the thing up. And my coach was just like, oh my goodness, you're a basket case. So that's kind of, yeah, I'm just,
1: I've always had that hard time wrapping my mind around skills
0: and yeah.
1: So was that a positive or a negative thing for you when you heard that? Like, was it endearing or did it kind of hurt? Well,
0: it was endearing. I mean, it was more like cute, funny. Like I didn't really think anything negative of it, but it was just kind of like, yeah, you're, you're quirky. Yes. Okay.
1: Good. Okay. I'm glad it didn't emotionally traumatize you or anything. So you struggle with mental blocks like a lot of us have. So, Take us through that experience and your definition of what that is, because it could vary from person to person. Yeah. Um,
0: So I think that a mental block is going to be different than just being afraid of a skill. I think that's two very different things. I think that when you have a mental block, it's almost like your mind and your body don't have that mind muscle connection anymore. Like your mind will say, do it, do it, do it. And your body just, no matter what you tell it to, just absolutely won't. So it's just like you have that connection. It just completely ceases
1: to exist. And
0: no matter what, your body's just not going to flip itself or do what you want
1: it to do. Mm. So for you, it was just that disconnect from mind to mm. body. And what did that materialize as? What did you see in your career and maybe in your life after sports too that was a cause of that? Well, the first
0: time I specifically remember it happening, I was a lot younger. and. I think it was when I started to take my back walk over from the floor to the beam. And I, it was the exact same skill. I could do it all in line. Absolutely no problem. And then as soon as I was like, Oh, the beam is, you know, off the floor a little bit, just like the little baby kinder gym beam. It was off the floor a bit. I just couldn't do it. My coach goes, go back, do it on the floor again. And I couldn't. And I'm like, why, why can I not do a back walk over right now? I've had this skill for years. It's easy. I can do it anywhere. But just because I was thinking about, oh my gosh, I have to do it on a beam. And I was just internalizing that anxiety about it that I couldn't even do it on floor where I knew I had no problem with it. So that was the first time I remember. And I've been like that over so many skills since then. I think the biggest skill for me that it manifested in was a layout full. Whether it was like round off handspring full, round off full, a full on a trampoline. Like it's a skill that I have to Think through every second of it, or and practice it consistently, or I'll cease
1: to have that mind-muscle connection again. So yeah, oh, you are not the only one. I'm sure those of you listening. I mean, we've had we've had you know a couple episodes ago, uh, Diabra Todd was talking about how she was fearless and she would go for anything. Complete opposite. Mm-hmm. I wish I had a little bit of that. A lot of us too had that one skill where are like, I know I can do this. So why is it not happening? Like why can't I just commit and, and do it? So for a lot of people and just kind of my experience coaching as well, the back walkover was a huge one for, yeah. for coaching girls too. It's you just stand there and you're just like, we're not rotating until you do it. <laughs> like you have to Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think those mental blocks have cost you? This is a two part question. What do you think they've cost you and what do you think they've taught you? All right.
0: Costing me, I think it's almost like I'm not being taken serious as an athlete, either by coaches or teammates who maybe were newer teammates and they haven't seen that I can do this skill. But it's just essentially your. I'm not sure what the levels equate to in gymnastics because I actually got this skill in cheer as a full. But if you're a level five cheerleader going down to like a level two cheerleader because you can't do the full after your back handspring, so it's almost like invalidating your talents. Yeah, you know that you know that you can do it. So, it's kind of like almost like you're like letting your coaches down or letting your teammates down because you know that you're better than that and they you want you want to prove it to them that you are as well.
1: Yeah, um, we talked about that in the past too. I don't remember I'm trying to remember which episode it was. I think Danelle Leva and Carly were talking about almost like that people pleasing, like wanting to please your coach, <laughs> having the expectation of yourself to be able to do this and then when you don't meet up to those expectations, you're setting yourself up for a letdown or disappointment or frustration or failure like those things so when you would know in your heart that you could do it but you just couldn't get past that mental block how did that make you feel and what happened
0: i have cried so many times in the gym it's not even funny <laughs> it's usually just like that internal frustration and just you don't want to show that you're crying in the gym but you'll stand there and cry over a scale like i, I want to flip my body i can't
1: Oh, I'm just going to sit there and cry. About it, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was a crier as well. Yeah. <laughs> that's a area a lot. But that's also something that athletes are taught to do. we're taught to not show our emotions or we're taught to, you know, like if you're in pain, push through it. If you're yeah, feeling yeah. something, you don't cry. Mm-hmm. And that can manifest itself into a lot of unhealthy things actually when you For get sure. into the real world. So have you experienced anything like that?
0: Yeah, I don't know if that really fits into the same topic, but I think that mental health and mental
1: blocks go hand in
0: hand. So I know the one time I had the biggest mental block over my full, I was on Team Canada at the time, scariest moment of my life, I had to email my coach, because I wasn't going to see him for a while, I had to email him and be like, I have a mental block. I freaked out. I was like, what is he going to say? I was hoping for some great advice and he gave me amazing advice, but he also didn't look like one of my favorite coaches ever. I I idolize this guy and I don't want to say anything bad about him, but I just don't think that he quite understood the concept of a mental block versus the fear of the skill and at the time i actually had a very bad mental health problem and i had a terrible relationship with food i did not like my body i did not like myself and i think that manifested in my skills and looking back i think it was just that lack of confidence from one side to the other and my coach says to me mental blocks stop saying mental blocks it's a fear mental blocks are for mental people you do not belong in a psychiatric hospital and i'm just like I think I might. Oh, so I was, yeah, I was definitely struggling between I need a lot of work on my mental health and I need a lot of work on this mental block. And I think the two went hand in hand because it's when I did start to focus on my mental health and that gets back into like quitting cheer and taking some time off too to really focus on that. That's when things started to look up for me. I had that confidence in myself again. I loved my body for what it could do and my skills all came back because of that
1: while we're on this path you mentioned you had an unhealthy relationship with food right Mm -hmm. so what do you think triggered that and which do you think came first do you think the mental blocks then triggered an unhealthy relationship or do you think you had some kind of unhealthy relationship with food because of something which then manifested into just lack of confidence which turned into other things
0: I think, and I think it goes for a lot of people in gymnastics and cheer that an unhealthy relationship with food ultimately comes down to what your body looks like, what it's capable of, and it's just that concept of smaller body, easier to move around, eat super healthy, train super hard. You don't want to have that extra chips or fries or whatever, those extra calories, and that also kind of went into with the concept of over to try to make sure that you have that perfect idealized gymnast or cheerleader type body. So I definitely do think that, you know, you're very hyper aware of what your body looks like and what it can do. And that's definitely, I think that kind of manifests itself in over-analyzing your skills and if you can actually do them, so... I do think that they're, they tie in that way, and then even more so having that unhealthy relationship with food and just starting to hate yourself and not like the athlete that you are definitely goes back to not having the confidence and the skills too, so.
1: Yeah. So if anyone is listening, uh, I believe season one, Kelsey Heenan provided some, some helpful resources, so if you go back and find that episode, if you are struggling at all or if you have experience with this. What would you say were your symptoms or like what was happening if somebody isn't really fully aware or might be in denial that they have an eating disorder or they have an unhealthy relationship what were the things that you were doing specifically and how did you get out of that
0: so what i was doing i was lowering my calories i didn't know any better at the time because i was just like you know let's try to shave off five pounds and then my calories ended up getting low my metabolism slowed so eating things would make my body gain weight faster than it used to. So it would end up being over-exercising to kind of negate those calories. And it was just like constantly tracking what you're putting into your body and constantly making sure that it's staying under a certain number. And I mean, that was the extent of it pretty much for me. I know a lot of people get more and more obsessive with it or different methods, I guess, to make sure that you are maintaining a lower calorie diet, but That was basically it for me. I just, food was seen as good and bad based on the amount of calories essentially in it. So so Um, what
1: snapped you out of it or what made you realize that? that um, I
0: just kind of hit like a breaking point because I don't know, like I was frustrated. I didn't want to dislike myself anymore. And that ended up being when I quit here and I just took some time and I was like, you know, there's no food rules, there's no gym rules, there's no whatever. And I actually went vegan at the time and it completely changed my view on food as well because it was more about ethics than it was about what it did to my body. So Mm. that helped a lot and just kind of over time I did find that balance again where like I'm exercising or doing flips because my body loves doing that and I deserve it rather than as a punishment for what I ate essentially. So. Yes, yeah. It took a lot of time and a lot of mental work. I know it's not something, it's something easier said than done. So. Right,
1: right. No, it's good, really focusing on the positive than that negative. So you overcame that. You found a balance. So then through all of that, through all the mental blocks that we were talking about, through all of the struggles and unhealthy relationships, what did that teach you about life? What have you learned um, and how have you become a better person because you experienced these things?
0: Honestly, it just kind of made me feel like I can take on the world. Knowing that my inner demons, I guess I can fight them. I can put in the work to no matter no matter what the challenges I feel like mentally, physically, spiritually, like I can take it on. That's kind of what it taught me. Basically the amount of work that you put into something is going to come out in the results. So like yeah. you, don't, you don't get a healthy relationship with food by, you know, having a pizza one time. You actually have to work at that and work out what your mind is thinking. And same with a skill, like you're not gonna get a kit by doing one kit. Yeah. yeah. It's gonna take uh, a lot of practice and a lot of work. And especially with mental blocks and like breaking down certain aspects of the skills, I have a really good coach in my life as well who is great. He's so fantastic at breaking down each individual aspect of a skill and taking it and putting it into a drill. It takes so much time and effort to work at it, but if you do put in that work, I've found that it pays off, and I'd like to think that that relates to most things in life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that was going to be another question I asked. um, Yeah. yeah. It was who helped guide you because as a teen or a young adult it's it's hard to do all this so sometimes if you have a mentor or a coach who gets you understands who takes you under their wing it can be easier to kind of follow a recipe or you know step-by-step process to get out of something did you like you said you hit that breaking point so was it that self-realization or was there anything external that helped to catalyze that victory
0: Yeah, I think there's a few things. One of them was whenever we would have guest coaches in the gym. And
1: I loved it because they
0: didn't know my past. They didn't know I had a mental block 50 times about the same skill. They just knew that I was struggling with the skill and I needed some help with it. And they come in and they believe in you and it's great. So it's just having that extra confidence from someone else. Yeah. Versus I've also had it where I've had coaches that are like, oh, I knew you weren't going to throw that skill. So like yeah. you kind of internalize that as well. So just having that person, I guess, with more authority that believes in you. And then something else that actually was a turning point for me in getting skills was watching kids because they're so fearless. And just seeing them learn skills or like try a skill with horrible technique and like surviving. Yeah, like, <laughs> if you can do it. I can do it. <laughs> So That's, just like I don't have to have lawless technique on the skill to be able yeah. to practice. So like looking at kids learning from scratch was actually really helpful.
1: That's very true. I mean, there are there is we were talking about this in Diabra's episode two. We were talking about the gyms that are so just like chuck it, we'll clean it up later. And then mm-hmm. the gyms where I came from that was forty five minutes on trampoline doing straight jumps. Yeah. And it's like okay, now because we don't have a pit. We didn't practice skills that were above our level. We just did it safe. We did it right. But then we were held back from our potential. So it's like, do you train above and then you technique or do you have that foundation and it makes things easier to get in the future. So it's. You got to find the balance you got to be able to play Have that i think yeah that's...
0: i definitely think you have to have the balance between the two because at the end of the day that technique is what's going to yes. get you through the skill and you know what you're doing every single time but it's also kind of nice to just have a just send it mentality because yes. that gets you over the fear right there so yeah
1: exactly that's send it so you mentioned okay seeing kids working with kids as a coach what's your philosophy or your technique for helping athletes break through their blocks because Trust me all of us as coaches or who are coaches have had that kid who mm-hmm. is exactly us and it's payback and <laughs> I know right? I just in the future yeah.
0: me I'm sorry <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> well so what's yeah. your what's your system
0: for me I want to say always give them a break let them know that it's okay to have a bad day and that in my mind if they're freaking out over a skill this could be something that lasts a practice or this could be something that lasts a year so I think that initial moment, how you address it, is going to be very important. I would just sit them down, just like you know what, chill. Like, don't worry about this skill today. We'll come back to it next time, and I don't want you to, I don't want you to worry about it. Or if it's something that maybe they're just they haven't had enough practice with yet, then it's just like you know what, I'll be that extra spot today, even though my pinky finger on your back isn't doing anything. I'll do that for you today. Next time, it's, it's all on you. Right and then it's just letting them know that you believe in them because i mean as an athlete when i've known that my coaches expected me to fail or not do something that's when yep. i start not believing myself so like yep. like yes i believe in you i know you can do this just pump right. them as much as you can it, they it, take oh, it. They
1: yeah it. something that i always said was i wouldn't be asking you to do this if i didn't think you could do it because mm-hmm. that would be very also dangerous for me to have you. Yeah. Like, yeah. i'm not gonna risk you getting hurt and having to deal with that. So the reason I'm asking you to do this is because I 100% know you can. Yeah. And so I want to see you win and accomplish it. And, and then yeah. I think that's just a healthier way. And I don't know if you've seen that show on Netflix called 100 Humans. Definitely not, not plugging anything. But there's an experiment in there where they have two sets of people and they have like a judging table and then people are trying to learn how to spin a plate on a, like a stick. Okay. And so they bring them up, and they're supposed to do some kind of like routine and learn this stuff, and they show it to the judges, and then they have one group who's terrible, but the judges praise them. And they're like, you know what? That was really good. And even though they sucked, yeah. <laughs> but then they have a group of people who actually got it and did a good job, and then the judges were saying, you know what? My dog could have spun that better, and you know, that wasn't, that wasn't your best performance, even though they did great and way better than the others. And so then they gave them a few hours to practice again and came back. The people who sucked the first time but got praise did better. The people who did awesome the first time got criticism got worse. Yeah,
0: it makes sense for sure. And then you
1: just think about that and then you think about your life and you're like, oh my gosh, if I had just had praise or someone believed in me and didn't give up on me or pushed me just a little bit more then who knows. Yeah. And so I feel like that's kind of your coaching style is because Absolutely. you experience yeah, um, and
0: definitely always asking the athlete what's stopping them. So maybe it's just they feel like they haven't done enough, or maybe it's too much pressure. Maybe they need to take you know some time off and go work more basic skills. And that's something too. I think it's important as a coach though is also to have ongoing communication with parents of children, just because you don't know if the parents are going home and coaching them after practice, or if they're saying you're going to be in the next Olympic gold medalist because you're amazing, and this kid's freaking out because they're like. I don't see myself doing that. I don't want to do that. Yeah. It's just, it could be anything. So definitely having that conversation with parents, making sure that the kid is happy and not stressing out or freaking out because of anything outside
1: as well. So. Absolutely. So what caused that curiosity in yourself? Because I know you have a a psychology background. Yeah. So Is that what really made you think, why did I act that way? Why is it so hard for me? Or did you see it happen in a student and you're like, wow, that reminds me of myself. What caused you to want to learn more?
0: I just think it was a lot of different things. Like definitely, I have a minor in psych, so being in those classes, I'm like, we have so many things about our brain that we just don't know yet. So I was like, there's no way, it's just a fear. What I'm experiencing isn't just a fear. And I'm also someone who deals with anxiety and I could feel that, same feeling i would get from anxiety from anything else any given thing in my body i had that same feeling sometimes when i would have a mental block so yeah i just kind of wanted to dig deeper because a lot of people do dismiss it as just fear or not being good enough or not being mentally tough enough but i definitely think there's always more to the story than that
1: there's always more it's just the tip of the iceberg like you see that <laughs> the picture. there's so much we're not even conscious of yeah oh so, I know we talk about like how things can carry over into the real world, but what do you, what do you have to say to those who are still maybe struggling with that mind body battle or, you know, whether they're currently competing, they're just out of their sport or their athletics is still with them to this day in the real world?
0: I would just say breathe and then think of what it is that they need to do to get through it. And I'm I'm going to tell you right now, after 4 months off, I just threw a full on the grass because I felt like it like a week ago. So I'm like, you know, if I can get through this, literally anyone can because I'm the most mental athlete. Just breathe through it, go back and do basics. If your full is breaking you out and you want to go do back handsprings or if your handsprings break you out, go do round-ups, go do front rolls, back rolls, whatever it is, just like get your body moving, start to feel more in control of your body in those movements that you're confident in, and then slowly work back up into it, and just don't overwhelm yourself. That's I think that's the biggest thing is when you start
1: to feel overwhelmed, just keep practicing what you know you have, and then take yeah. those baby steps. Do lots of drills. Yeah. Right, and then it brings back that confidence when you're doing things that you know you have and know you can do. Like, okay, so this is, naturally the next step. Like it's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be challenging. I'm not challenging myself. I'm not growing. I love that. Mm-hmm. So we ask this to everybody who comes on the show, but what does it mean to you personally to train like a gymnast?
0: I love that question. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It means a lot of things personally because you know that was where I got my start was gymnastics. I switched to cheer and then I found my way back into an open gym after that. And it was just I just had so much fun challenging my body. Like when I got my kit back at 25 years old versus losing it at 14. Like it was just such a good feeling. And I guess to me, it just kind of means that you get to know your body for what it can do and you feel accomplished for what your body can do. And it's just you're learning about yourself in ways that you didn't know were possible. So definitely mentally challenging, but also physically challenging. And it's fun, it's a fun way of training.
1: Absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly. So is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners? Is there anything we haven't touched on that you feel like you want to share? I think that we pretty much got through everything.
0: The only other thing I kind of want to say about mental blocks is just knowing like they're not all the same. Your, your teammate might have a mental block. What works for them might not work for you. If you're stressing out about maybe a past injury, that might be different from getting anxiety over a skill. So just, you know, just be patient with yourself is my kind of biggest
1: advice. Absolutely. Yeah. Determining and figuring out why this is happening and what type is so is so different because then you end up dealing with those things differently. Because, yeah, if you're afraid you're going to get hurt or if you're just afraid that the same thing's going to happen and you're going to land on your head again or you saw somebody else doing it. That is, dealing with that is different than just like, my body is going to bail. It's just not going to happen. Absolutely, so you know they're similar, they're not the same thing. You're not afraid you're gonna get hurt, you're just like, it's not gonna happen. So really sit with yourself, be honest with yourself, communicate with your coaches, and if you can't, find somebody who will listen and help you through it, because having mentors and somebody who has gone through it, it might be another teammate who has done it before.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And if anyone's listening to this and is going through that, feel free to reach out to me. I've got a lot of experience on the subject and I love I love helping out whoever I can, whenever I can. So
1: Absolutely with that. So go ahead. How can people get a hold of you? People are like, oh my gosh, I have mental blocks. How do I get a hold of you, Jess? Help me through this. My Instagram is at
0: Jess Saint John, J-E-S-S-S-T-J-O-H-N. And any other way to contact me, you can find on there as well. But you can send me a DM or message me, email me, whatever. You can find it on my Instagram. I so. love it.
1: And I know we're in quarantine, but do you have anything coming up soon? Anything people should keep an eye out for? Anything you're doing?
0: Yes, I actually do have an athletic training program. It is athletic performance training A lot of it's focused on things like power, agility, balance, explosiveness, all those types of things that you will find in gymnastics, cheer, a lot of dance as well. I am looking to pitch that July 6th, actually. So you oh just God. got the official announcement. I haven't said that yet. So, hey,
1: hey. so many exclusive drop here here. <laughs> yeah.
0: I love it. I love might it might be out by the time this is up. I'm not entirely sure what date that's going to be. So. Yeah,
1: I have to look at a calendar. But I think it'll be that same week. So if you're listening to this, go ahead to her Instagram. See what she's talking about and snatch that up for yourself. Well, thank you so much, Jess for taking the time out of your day to talk to me, talk to our listeners, help somebody, you know, because if this helps just one person, that's going to create a ripple effect. And I'm so so thankful and grateful that you wanted to share this story and you knew that it was something of value because it absolutely is.
0: Thank you so much for giving me the platform to share it on too. I've wanted to share it for a while. So I'm really glad that you gave me this opportunity. So thank you.
1: Want to win a free coaching session from me? If you loved everything you've heard in this episode or love 10 in general, we want to hear from you, and we may even feature you in a future episode. So all you got to do is go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review, screenshot that review, and then send it to team at That's team at to be entered. If you win, we'll contact you to schedule your session.